the one, two, third paragraph of this Perik, Perik Yudtes, again, page 220. Concerning the second category, I'm sorry, Mrs. Fran, there's, there's Mrs. Fran, there's a forum on the back table there. There's a couple on the back, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's Perik Yutes. It's page 220, which is not marked. Oh, you're in the third paragraph. That I'm in the third paragraph down. I'm three paragraphs into the column. Dora, your might be a different edition. I think it's different. But it's Perik Yutes. And uh, it's three paragraphs in Achela Kaisheni Shabarishan. It's about, it should be 10, 12 lines into the Perik, which we started a little bit last week. Okay? So the realm of action, Ma'aseh, we're in the second category of the realm of action. Last week we did Bein Adam Lamakam. And this is Bein Adam L'Chavero, between man and his fellow man, between people. V'inyano. And what is this about? And, and this is really the key line that the Ramchal states here, and the rest of what he says is an explanation of it. And he says, Godel ha-hatava adam la'olam metiv labrios. That's an abundance of doing good to others. That a person should always be being a metiv, giving good and doing good for others, and not to harm other people. And this has three aspects, with your body, with your money, your financial resources, and your spiritual things. But here it means more midos, as we'll see. Now, also, does that remind you of something when he says to be a metiv? What does that remind you of? Hashem, right? At the very beginning of the Derech Hashem, Hashem is created the world in order to be metiv, to give good. So we're trying to emulate Hashem. He's a metiv. He is the ultimate metiv. We are striving to be a metiv as well. So baguf, in the realm of the, our body, using our body to help somebody else. To put forth effort to help other people to the best of your abilities. And to lighten their burden. As it says in Pirkeyavos, to carry your friend's burden along with him. So I think that's a, a beautiful way to look at it, that we're looking around and we see people who are carrying burdens. They may be physical burdens. That's what he's talking about right now. They need help doing something to try and relieve somebody's burden, lighten their load. And if you see that some harm or damage is headed in the direction of your friend or another person, and you could prevent it or you could remove it, we should trouble ourselves to prevent and remove that damage. So we shouldn't say, right, if we see harm coming in the direction of our fellow Jew, 
We should say, ah, you know, he'll handle it. You know, it's okay. I'm sure he'll take care of it. Well, if we have the ability to prevent harm to that person, we're, we're meant to do so. We don't just say, that's me, not you know, whatever happens, it's in God's hands. That's what you say after you do your best. Right? Right? After you do your best, <laughs> then you say it's in God's hands. Not before. So, Bamama, now what about with our, mon- with our money? Lisayo, <clears throat> to help a person, meaning now financially, by Shuratasi Gyodo, to the best of your abilities. Notice he keeps saying that what you can do, what you're able to do. We're not expected to do something that we can't do physically or financially. But by sure tasigoda, that which you can do, and to prevent damage from him, but this means financial damage. So say you see a friend, he's about to spend money, she's about to spend money, and you know like that's not going to go well. You had experience with that, you worked with that business, or you made that investment, you got... You say to somebody, you know what, I just want you to know that this potentially could be very financial, financially harmful for you, and let them know, if you have the ability. And certainly, and to remove any direct damage that you yourself may cause financially to others. <clears throat> so the first part is that you see financial harm coming to them from the outside. You have to try and help them and make that not happen if you can. Secondly, we ourselves should strive never to be of financial harm to other people. Whether it's to an individual, or to a community. And even though right now, at this particular moment, the damage is not commonly found. It's not really right there in the present. But you can see it down the line. Being that it could happen, and you can see that the consequences may be such that it will happen. You see rain, the Ya'avirain. You should remove them and get rid of them, again, to the best of your abilities. So Amruzal and the Chachamim said, this is the, the theme here of this paragraph, Pirkeyavos, your friend's money should be as dear to you as your own. As, no one could state that greater than the Chachamim. That is often what that comes down to. That you see somebody else, they say, well, it's okay, he's going to be okay financially, even if I don't say anything. So we have to say to ourselves, would I do that to myself? Would I also just say it's going to be okay, or would I do something to protect my own money? And if so, then we're, we are meant and we're directed to help that other person as well. It should be as dear to us as our own men. Do you have a comment, Rabbi? I have a question. Please, yeah. Mm-hmm. What if um, somebody asked for a loan by somebody that you are aware of has a history of not paying back loans? Okay, so it's a great question, very Lamaisa question sometimes, unfortunately. So you know that somebody was asked to lend somebody else money. You happen to find out about it. You happen to know, for whatever reason, that that person who's about to borrow the money doesn't pay back their loans. You happen to know that. So, should you alert that person to that? Yes, you should. That's Litoelis. So, Litoelis, you're, you're preventing financial, you're going to borrow $10,000 from somebody, 
and you know he's not going to get it back, or you're 99% sure, and it does happen, it does happen. There are people who unfortunately are either careless with that, or they're just desperate. So yeah, you have to tip somebody off in a very kind of, uh, discreet and very private way that you want, you want them to know. Now, if they decide, look, you know, I heard what you said, but I'm going to lend the money anyway, that's their choice. But you can alert them. The halacha is also, this is for a person who's, you know, about madrega in a certain respect, that, okay, I'm going to lend them the $10,000. I know most likely I'm not going to get it back. So now what I've done is I've kind of created a takola, uh, a certain stumbling block for another person, because I lent them money and they're not paying me back. That's an avera not to pay, pay back a loan. So you can have in mind it's tzedakah. You can have that in mind. So you're thinking, if, if they pay me back, great. If they don't pay me back, I just gave $10,000 to tzedakah, and I'm, and I'm willing to do that. You have the right to do that, and then you're mochel them, the loan, and now you're, you're good both ways. They got what they needed, and in case they don't pay you back, you have prevented them from doing that avera by considering that loan tzedakah. Yeah, Dory, please. So that's, that's only if you're going to do that on, on condition. This is your, this is, your case is when you're not saying it conditionally. I'm talking about you saying it conditionally. So you say conditionally. Yeah. If they pay me back, if they pay me back it's a loan. If they don't pay me back, then that can, I'm considering that money tzedakah. Okay, and then they don't have an available. Right. And then if they give you the money back, you're not obligated to give that money to tzedakah because you made a tenai on it. Oh, you made a condition. If you, if you have given it as tzedakah without a condition, then that's tzedakah money. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, please, Ed. Right, that's how ready a, a public solution. I felt like, just stole $3,000, $4,000 right. from us, and right. at least I wanted to protect the neck. I used her, because my sister used her, and she was legitimate at one point. Right. But when she stopped, you know, when she, she said, I can't give you any money, uh, right. and then I figured, right. and, she, and she works among all the, these places where there's firm people fixing their floors, and she's going to just take all the money away. Right, so to put up a sign, that's already publicly embarrassing somebody, you know. That's what it was. Right. Yeah. But you, you would be permitted, you know, if you found out okay, someone. Somebody asked me. You I could say, say. Yeah, you could say, okay. Beinenu, you know, between us. I want you to know this happened. Your choice, but I want you to know okay. that's what happened. So that's the line that you have to draw. You have to let people know, and then they make the, the decision that they want. And you are, you are not obligated to lend somebody money when you know they're not going to pay you back. You're not obligated. What's that? You're not obligated. It's a righteous thing to do. But again, you, we have to be carefully balanced, as always, 
not if you cannot afford to lose that money. Uh, if you got plenty of money and you don't get that $10,000 back and you're going to say, fine, okay, that's up to you. But if you need that $10,000 know, to pay your own mortgage or to, to pay your own tuition and you need it back for that, then I don't know how, how pious it is to make the loan without knowing you're going to get it back, knowing to the best of your abilities. Because then you're disregarding your own financial responsibilities. And so the yeshiva doesn't get money because that person didn't pay you back. That's hard to justify that. Yeah. And what, what if you have the meetos to do it? Like, you know? <laughs> you don't have the You have the money, but not the meetos. You know that you're going to be angry and you're going to resent the guy right. when he right. doesn't pay you back and he puts an addition on his house or whatever he does. Right, right. So, and, and you're going to be, you know, oyster Yeah, that's a hard call. If you don't, you have the money, but you don't have the midos, you know, to be mochel, you know. I, I can tell you that you have to lend the money because I'll PD and you, you don't have to. If, you're, if you are concerned you're not going to get the money back, you don't have to. You don't have to. If you want to rise above that and you feel like you can, you know. Yeah. Yeah, please, Dory. Uh, you can't press them. You can't press them. You can't be too forceful. Every once in a while, you can kind of let them know. Yeah, every once in a while. Um, I just wanted to remind you, you know, that that loan is still outstanding. Yeah. yeah. You, you can do that. You can say, look, I, I know you can't pay the whole thing, but it would be really nice if you could send in $100 a month. You have the right to do that. You can't go knocking on the door, you know, and be pestering them for the loan. That's the obligation of the lender, even though you feel like, well, why not? <laughs> why can't I go knocking on his door? He owes me, you know, $10,000. You can't, you can't bother somebody to that extent. But you could send them a message. You could say, can we sit down and talk about it so we can make arrangements in a menschlich way? That's the achrayis of the, of, of the lender. Yeah, yeah please, Beth. What if you lend spar or tapes? Is that the same thing as lending? It's a completely different issue. It's the same concept. You know, if you want your book back, you can tell somebody. <laughs> Even though it's yours, and I right? I said to my husband, I said, right. I'm so upset right. about it, and right. I got over it because right. I'm very close with this person. I'm not going to let it right. make a difference. But I said, I take, you know, like I'm really going to look right. at it over and over, and I really want right. it. And my husband said he's learned. Um, when he lends a saver, he looks online to see if he can get another one. Uh, <laughs> he said, because people go, no, no, I gave it back to you. Right. He lends tapes and things from Rabbi Schlesinger. Right. He said, I know when it goes out of my house, in my heart, I go, it's gone. It's a matana. <laughs> it's a gift, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah because you know, they, people forget and they yeah, know. That's just the nature of it. There's nothing you can do yeah. about it. So right. I was wondering how you, it's the same thing. It's not, it's, not quite, it's not the same. I see what you're asking. It's not the same as asking somebody for money back. It's no financial loss to them. Right. You want your tape back. You can bother them a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. That's different than a person does not really have the money to pay you back, even though they owe you the money. We have to be careful not to be overbearing on them. If it's your picture, it's your tape, it's your book, and you want it back, you have the right to get it back. It's no loss to them. Right. That's it's no loss to them. Yeah. 
Yeah, unless they lost it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Esther, please. Okay, so following up on the book and take. Yeah. So conditioning the further loan of a safer to someone mm-hmm. on the return of the prior safer that they borrowed, that's okay? In other words, you'll say that I'll lend you another one once you give me the first one back. Exactly. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. I did that recently. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Bring back the first one and you'll get another one, right? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Linda, yeah, please. It's not related. Yeah. Are you allowed, with her situation with the um, person to court, are you allowed to take a non-religious person to small you, you should try to go to a Dean Torah first. If you can see that they have no relationship to it and they're not going to do it, it means nothing to them, you can take them to a small claims court, yeah. But you should always try a, a Dean Torah or a Rev first to try and settle it, you know, in the Jewish context, yeah. Banefesh, yeah. so the third category of trying to help another person, Banefesh, it means the person's soul, you know, literally, but we'll see from the context, it's not really spiritual, it's really emotional. We're on 222, right, on page 222, um, second paragraph. Try and bring other people much pleasure. Try and bring other people pleasure. Whether that applies to their honor, or other things that people enjoy. Anything that you know, that if you do it for somebody else, that he gets pleasure of it, from it. It is a mitzvah in the getter of chasidus to do that. So we have three things. Helping somebody physically with your body, carrying their groceries, giving them a ride, helping them with your money when you can, either tzedakah or alone. And now, bringing another person pleasure. Emotional, emotional hatava. And notice how broad the Ramchal is with, with his statement. Anything that you know brings them pleasure. And certainly not to hurt somebody emotionally. Regardless of what it is, you can't hurt other people's feelings. To guard ourselves from that. What is the general Precept here, Gemilus Chesed. Asher hifligu chachamim zah bishvacha ubechovasenuba. Our chachamim went to great lengths to praise Gemilus Chesed, and our obligation as Jewish people in Chesed. Ubichlalze, and contained in this category is Redifas Hashalom, the pursuit of peace, Shalom, making peace, resolution between people. Which is an overall good between a person and his fellow human being to make shalom and to help make shalom between people. So all of those things are gemilos chesed in the realm of action. So a person can say, you know, I don't need that pleasure, I can live without it. Okay, you're entitled. But let's say you know someone else likes that, your husband, your wife, your kids, your friend. So don't say, oh, they don't need that. Say, oh, that's nice. You can say it about yourself. You know, I, I don't need that sweater. Okay, they would really like that sweater. I know, the, 
No, or they would really like if I gave them this picture, this photograph. So that's going to give them nafas. Beautiful. Give nafas to another person. Now, flip over the page. We're going to skip a little bit. On page 224. And in this safer that we have, the blue one, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 lines up. Sha'alu Talmidavis Rabbi Nechonia. Now, the Ramchal here brings several different examples from the Gemara, from Chachamim, who were very care- careful in regards to their behaviors and what they did for people and how they, were, they guarded themselves. The students of Rabbi Nechunia asked him, How did you earn length of days? How did you live so long? Omar Lahem. So he said to them, Miyomai, in all of my days, Lo nis chaveri. I never derived honor from another person's shame. Velo osa almitasi kilalas chaveri. And I never brought to my bed the curse of my fellow man. I wasn't thinking about at nighttime before I went to sleep, I'm really going to get that guy. I, just, I didn't go to sleep that way. That's how he lived a long life. So before he trusts him, so the Gemara explains, what's an example of not deriving honor from somebody else's disgrace? It happened with Ravun. Ravun was a very, very great man, an Amora. Dore Mora Akasve. He was carrying either a hoe or an axe on his shoulder. Osa Ravchana Barchani Loi. Ravchana Barchani Loi came along, the Kadori Mine, and he took the shovel from Ravuna in order to carry it for him. I'd like to carry your shovel, your, your hoe. Omar Lay. Ravuna said to Ravchana Barchani Loi, If you are accustomed to doing this in your own town, if you would normally carry a hoe or an axe on your shoulder, and you wouldn't be embarrassed by that, then I'll let you carry my shovel or my axe. It's okay. But if you wouldn't do this in your own town, it is not pleasant for me to get honor from something which brings you disgrace. So he would not allow Rav Hanabar Haniloi to carry his tool, his shovel or hoe on his shoulder, if that was going to cause him some kind of a lowering of his stature, even though Rav Hanabar Hanilah was perfectly wanting to do that to honor Rav Huna, who was the God al-Hadur, one of the greatest men of, of his time, he was perfectly willing to carry it, but Rav Huna was not perfectly willing to let him carry it because I can't get honor at your disgrace. So it depends what they do in your town. So Hare Lanu, the Ramchal says, so we see from here, even though that the implication of that phrase we just saw, don't derive honor from another person's disgrace, you would think that it means a person who's actively trying to shame another person so that he can get honor. That's what it sounds like. You're trying to disgrace somebody and then you feel, you know, on top of the world because that other guy is so low. 
She says, no, no, that of course is not allowed. That's horrible. That's vicious. But But righteous people don't want to even receive kavod. Even if his friend is willing and wanting to do that, if it's going to cause some kind of disgrace or some kind of lack of kavod for your friend. So it's not only actively bringing disgrace on another person, but they're doing something nice for you, and you kind of have to look at the situation. Are they lowering their kavod for me? You know, I don't like that. That's what Rav Huna was saying. Don't, don't lower your kavod for me. I'm, I'm fine. Now, one has to weigh this carefully because oftentimes a Talmud will want to give kavod to his rabbi and is willing to do things that will quote-unquote lower his own kavod because it is his kavod to honor his rabbi. And so the rabbi has to look at that carefully and decide, is that okay, is that not okay? You know, I, I was recently with a person who's a very big person, and I was walking to the car, and he ran over to open the door for me. I was like, I thought I was going to faint. Like, I tried to get there. I could see where he was going. He, I could see. And I tried to get there ahead of him, so he wouldn't have to open, but he wouldn't let me. He wouldn't let me. So, like, he runs over there. I said, like, oh, gosh, I can't believe that just happened. So then I, so now I have to think ahead, because I know, like, on the way back, he's probably going to do the same thing. And, and he also positioned himself so that I couldn't open the door for him. So on the way back, I saw going out. So I knew I was not going to win on him opening the door for me. I could just tell, right? So when he went to open the door for me, I said, okay, I'm going to be fast. I ran around the car and I opened the door for him. <laughs> so I said, okay, now I feel much better. So, I, so he laughed. But so, I mean, I was a little uncomfortable that he did that for me. He was a much greater person than me. He was trying to show me covenant for whatever reason, but I, I was a little uncomfortable, but I couldn't help it. There's nothing I can do. Uh, I, I, I was honored to open the door for him. But to me, that was a great covenant. Uh, or maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm a rub and again, the show somewhere. Like, I, I'm not thinking like that. I'm thinking like I would, I would, I would run to open the door for this, for this person. So you kind of have to weigh weigh that out, whatever situation that, that you're in. Yeah, Rebetzin, please. But I would think that it's, well, it might be a lowering of him. You know, he wouldn't normally carry that, possibly, in his own town. Right. But here he's walking with the Gadol Hador, and, he, and he's not, and, he's, and the Gadol Hador is carrying that, and he isn't, that's a bigger disgrace. Right. That's a lowering of him even lower than it would right. be for him just to carry it. it right. Be. Yeah, so you, you know, you're thinking about that angle of it, but Rav Huna was not about to uh, he was than look at it. That. So you remember that story we heard many years ago from Rabbi Peir, the Rosh Hashivan Farakway? Great story. Uh, this is going back a while, but maybe 20, 25 years ago. We were sitting at some friends, ha- friends of ours' house in Farakway, and he was visiting with them too, and he was telling some stories, and uh, he was telling a story about his father who was a Rav and a big time of So Rabbi Peir said that at one point, his father came to visit him in the yeshiva. And so he said to his father, please come sit by the Mizrahvant, you know, by the east wall of the shul. So the father says, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. So he said, please, you know, I want you to come sit up by here, by, by me. But he would not sit by the east wall, by the Mizrahvant. So his father goes, sits a couple rows back, you know, with, with the rest of the, of the people in the B'nai HaYeshiva. So Rabbi Peir is thinking, like, how can I, 
how can I do this to get my father to come see that friend? So he thinks he has an idea. He goes, he goes, Tati, he goes, what's it going to look like for me if they see that you're sitting a few rows behind me? And he says, that's your tough luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't about to take, you, you, you'll handle that, right? That's right. I'm, I'm sitting up there. So, so yeah, everybody's got to handle this in the way that's of his seichel. But clearly, that was a message for him. Yeah, please, Mira. Yeah. Um, I recently read a book about Rebbe Sundisna Kaplan, who mm-hmm. started Beis Yaakov mm-hmm. in New York. Right. And in there, it said that she did not ask her for help from her uh, family members. If somebody sort of helped and just kind of chipped in, especially her own children, that was okay. You mean financially or just no, helping out? No, physical help, like. Uh-huh. Uh, Okay. So I think this is also one of those things which is based on the individual and the person. And you have to be good with that inside yourself. If you're not going to say to your daughter or daughter-in-law or son and son-in-law, can you please help me uh, clear the table, can you please help me do the dishes, and you're going to feel resentment about it, then ask. Ask for help. You just serve the meal, you serve the big meal, no one's, no one's getting up to help out, ask. You'll feel better, they'll, they'll be happy to help, most likely, depending on how old they are, <laughs> if, they're, if they're out of their teenage years. So, you'll feel better too. And it's good to get that mutual pitching in. You don't want to feel resentment against your own family for not helping out, so asking, I think, is a good thing. Now, you have another person, like someone who you just mentioned, who may feel inside themselves that they don't want to do that because it appears superior, or of course they're going to help me because I'm the mother or the grandmother, and, they, and I ask, maybe they don't really want to, I don't want to impose upon them. If that's your Misa, and you're okay with that Misa inside yourself, okay, because hey, that's, that's where you are, and you're not resenting, okay, that's fine. The other thing you have to do is Chinuch-wise, right? If you're never asking people to help, they never learn to help. So you don't want to impose upon them, but especially when they're younger and grow, they need to be imposed upon so they'll learn how to help around the house and to help them to go to somebody else's house. Yeah. So I think that's, again, a judgment call. You know. um, after, after Purim this past, um, it was this past week, right? Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's a long time ago. Okay. I wasn't even drunk, I can't remember. So right after we were done, somebody came right over to me a guest, and said, uh, what can I do to help out? 
And he, he was just looking around to find chairs to put away. And I said, you know, this is, this is a well-trained guy. Like he's, yeah, he, he knows that, of course, of course we have to clean up, right? Of course. And he just came right over. So you want to instill that within your children. But kol echad kafi darko, each child is different, how much you can ask for, how much you cannot ask for, each parent is different. Kol echad kafi darko. Yeah, Linda, please. Yeah, it's not in order to live a long life. It's, an, it's because it's the right thing to do. But what he gained from that was length of days. Right, yeah. Mean, so you could never apply for a job because you're going to be shaming the person who didn't get it. You could never get a promotion because somebody else is going to be losing their position. You could never live. Yeah. <laughs> you have to sit in a room somewhere. That's- that's the derecha olam, right? That's the derecha olam. That just by definition, you can't function that way. But these things are, are optional, you know. Uh-huh. You have to get a job. You need a printer. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. No. no. Yeah, having a good parnasa and feeling like you have more berevach and just a little more relaxed might lengthen might lengthen your life. You know, who knows, right? Yes, yeah, definitely. That's how he keeps right. peace, right. which is... Right. It's a mira tova, that, that's a mira tova. You have to know inside yourself, it's between us and Hashem. Right. Yeah. Now, whatever happens outside of ourselves, that's not our heshbon. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Rebbe, some please. Don't we say on the Nomenon that a person kills himself making a living? A person kills themselves making a living, like what's the Lashon? I can't. Uh, his bread, him. Right. With his very soul, he earns his bread. Yeah, we, we know that. You know, that's the tircha that it takes. I think there are yeah. conflicts in this, and I think we yeah. almost can't get everything uh-huh. right. And uh-huh. there's something that's going to get Some people can look like that, like real tzaddikim, mm-hmm. that they don't want to hurt anybody and they're not going to do anything. But most people just they can't. So you can say that at some point, right, something has to give, right? Even though it is a derech ha'olam, we, we shouldn't just take it for granted. We've got to be careful about these things, right? Yeah, it's, that's, that's a very important consideration. That it's at the other side of it. Yeah, Ilana? So because we're in the chapter of Hasidus, we're in the Hasidus chapter. We skipped all this stuff before that. <laughs> right, 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 halavai. So it's, it's Hasidus. Now, I'll tell you, the reason I went to here before learning, obviously we can't learn the whole book just too much, but I thought there were, there's always lessons in the Mesilus Deshoram, even in the later chapters, that you can glean something from 
even if we didn't work our way step by step the way the Ramchal wants us to, there are lessons from Chashidus and Tahara, Tarasaleda, that one can apply and gain from, even if we're not quite there, and apply in a realistic way. Like, to me, this is a madrega, but I hear it. I hear where it's coming from. I, I don't want to have someone else shamed so that it makes me feel higher. I hear that. And that's relevant you know, to, to all of us. So even though there's more basic things that we can concern ourselves with. Let's go to the bottom line of this page. I, I were on 224, the last line. Rebbe Zeira also said, this is from that same Gomorrah. Miyomai, all of my days, lo hikpadati besoch besi. I never had hakpados. I was not too strict in my own house. And the Gemara cautions us with that. The Chacham is a person should not be too strict in their house. A home is meant to be a loving, warm, and relaxed place. Doesn't mean there shouldn't be discipline in the house. Of course there should. But hakpados, you know where people are getting angry or upset about things, and you're kind of walking on edge. So he says, I never did that in my house. I never walked in front of somebody who was greater than me. I didn't think that means Torah thoughts in dirty alleyways. Even though thinking is allowed, you can't speak Torah in a dirty alleyway, but you could think Torah. He wouldn't even think Torah in a dirty place. I never walked four amos, that's about six feet, without Torah and without tefillin. That's chasidus. It's definitely beyond the requirements of basic life. I never slept in a base midrash. A big nap, or even a little nap, and there are not too many people who nowadays who could say they fulfilled that, because everybody falls asleep at some point in the base Midrash. And the halacha is, if you're a Talmud Chacham and you spend a lot of time learning in the base Midrash, it's even okay, because it's like your home. I never rejoiced when a friend of mine made a mistake or had some kind of a downfall. I never mentioned, I never called my friend by a nickname. Now, there's questions about what does that mean. Let's say it's a nickname that he doesn't like. Clearly, you shouldn't call him that. It's a nickname he's a little uncomfortable with, but people call him that. Don't call him that. If it's a nickname that he likes, he likes to be called that name, they call him that name, and he enjoys it, okay, that's all right. But there's a little discomfort in him. You can see he's not really... Good with it, even though he lets people do it? No, no, don't do that. So, so here, in, in his words from Rabbi Zeir, all these things he was careful about, they're all different maizim of chasidus, going beyond. And the Chachamim said, Omar Rabbi Yehud, Rabbi Yehud said, A person who wants to be a chasid, a righteous person, they should fulfill the halachos of brachos. Because then you're a chassid to Hashem. You say the right bracha, you know what you're eating, you know how much you have to eat, and you're giving thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So if you really pay attention to that carefully, that's mile de chassidus, because even beyond the law, it's the expression of appreciation 
to Hashem and acknowledgement. Okay, so that has to do brachos between you and your Creator. That's been Adam Lamakam. Then, Va'amrila, but there's another opinion that says if you want to be a chassid, that you should be careful with the laws of damages, not to harm anybody, like we learned before, not to cause damage to another person, to be extra careful. Well, that has to do with chassidus between man and man, between person and person. And the third opinion is to fulfill the words of the avos. That means pirkei avos, midos. Shasham nichlalim inyanam, inyanim mikol hachalakim, because there in Pekayavas you have the whole range. Ben am lechavero, ben am lamakam, and ben adam laatzmo, a person themselves. So three different opinions in the Gemara what to focus on in order to bring out this trait of chasidus between ourselves and Hashem, between ourselves and our fellow people, and within ourselves. That's going to take one more paragraph. Acts of loving kindness is a central component of being a chassid, a righteous person. Just an observation, the Ramchal says, the word chassidus comes from the word chassid. The shorish of the word chassid is chassid. It's mamish the same word, it's where it comes from. V'amruzal, the Chachamim said, also in Avos, Ashlosha Devorim Ha'olam Ome. The world stands on three things. Ve'echad mehem gemilus chasadim. One of them is gemilus chasad, and the other two are Torah and Avoda. V'chein manu huzal, and the Chachamim included it. Im ha'devorim sh'ochel peroseam ba'olam hazeh, v'akeren kayemes lo la'olam haba. Amongst those things that, if you do that, an act of chesed, that you get enjoyments and benefits from it here, even in this world. And the karen, the principal act of chesed, is there for you in Olam Haba. So in Olam Haba, you have the main principle of what you did. But even in Olam Hazeh, there are side benefits that we all know that accrue because of acting nicely. Vamru od, and the Chachamim said in the Gemara Sota, Dorash Rebbe Simloi, Rebbe Simloi Darshans, the Torah begins with chesed and it ends with chesed. It begins with chesed because Hashem gives clothing to Adam and Chava. And he, the Gemara says also that Hashem was their attendant at their wedding. Right, who was the wedding party at their wedding? Hashem. He's the Shushpin. He was there to be Mesameach then. That's the beginning of the Torah. And the end of the Torah, Hashem buries Moshe Rabbeinu. That's Kamilus Chasadim, to uh, have a proper Kavura for Moshe Rabbeinu. So the beginning of the Torah and the end of the Torah is Chesed. The Chafetz Chaim brings that Chazal in his Sefer Avaz Chesed as a very central point to the Sefer. Va'amru'ot, and it also says in Yavamos, Darash Rava, Rava Darshans, Kol mi bo shalosh midos halalu, whoever has these three midos biyadua, it is known, that he comes from the children of Abraham, and they are rachaman, compassionate, ubaishan, a person has some shame, a little bit of busha in what they do, v'gomel chasadim, and they do acts of kindness. V'amru, and it also says in the Gemara Sukkah, Amar Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar says, 
Gedola gemilus chasadim yoser min ha that an act of chesed is even greater than an act of tzedakah, shenemar, because it says, ziru lachem li tzedakah, plant with tzedakah, kitzru lefi chesed, that you harvest chesed. Now how is chesed greater than tzedakah? The Chachamim explained there, tzedakah is with your money, bedavka. Gemilas chesed is also with your body as well, begufo. So you can do chesed in a broader way. Tzedakah is confined to money. And gemilas chesed is both l'chaim u'lamesim. You can give chesed to both living people and dead people because burying somebody is a chesed, chesed shalemes. Tzedakah you can only give to living people. So tzedakah is a component of chesed and a very great component of chesed. But chesed is much broader because it applies in so many other ways. Va'amru od, and it also says, no, he quotes it right here, sorry. There are three ways where chesed is greater than tzedakah. Tzedakah is with your money, and gemilas chesed is with your body. Tzedakah is specifically to people who are in need, they're poor. Where chesed you can do for anybody, a poor person, middle-class person, a wealthy person, chesed applies to all. You help your neighbor, he's a rich man, it's a chesed. You help him carry in his chairs or set up his table or whatever, it's, it's a chesed. Tzedakah l'chaim, gemilas chasadim, bein l'chaim, bein l'mesim. Tzedakah is for those who were alive. Gemilas chesed is both for those who are alive and those who have already passed on. And it says in the Gemara as well, Hashem will give you rachamim, and He will have compassion on you. So the Chachamim Darshan, Kol HaMerachem Al HaBrios, Merachamim Olav Min HaShamay. If we show compassion to other people, Hashem will give compassion to us. Now that's axiomatic in Torah Hashkafa. That's a Mido Kenegin Mido thing. That if we're going to show kindness and compassion to other people, Hashem looks down on us, and He says, I'm going to do that for that person. The based in Shomayla pays attention to those things. V'zepashut, and that's clear. Ki HaKadosh Baruch Hu modeid mida kenegin mida. That's mida kenegin mida. Umisha merachim ba'osa chesed im habrios. Person who's doing chesed with others. Gamhu bedino. It's din. It's law. It's mishpat. It's justice. Yirachamuhu v'yimchalu lo avonasa b'chesed. In Shemayim, they'll have compassion on you and even forgive his averos. Share mechila zu dinhu. Because this forgiveness, mina Shemayim, is actually din. It's justice. Why? Kevan shehi mida keneged midaso. It's measure for measure for you. Behum asha amruch zazachachamim said, lemi no se avan. To whom does Hashem forgive? Lemi over al pesha. A person who's willing to forego insults that have been heaped over toward his way. So if, if a person foregoes in insults, Hashem looks, looks at them and says, well, then I'm going to forego that from them as well. They had the ability to say to somebody else, oh, you did this to me and I'm going to do this to you. But you were forgiving and, and you allowed that, I'm going to say, forgiveness is not the quiet, you overlooked you overlooked that insult, and Hashem says, I'll do the same for you. 
person who is not prepared to be forgiving on their own midos or to give kindness to another. As well, they will say, okay, we'll just do what this person deserves also. So Ramchal says, okay, let's take a look. What person can say, I'm okay, I can stand up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's deen. Yeah, I'm all right, right? I'm doing fine. Who's going to say that? The David Melech Mispal of Omer, David HaMelech himself says, Va'al tovo b'mishpad esavdecha. Please, Hashem, don't judge me with deen and justice. That's David HaMelech. No one can stand in righteousness truly before Hashem. So what do we, what do, we do about this? And therefore Shemayim will look at us and say, okay, maybe Alpidin, he doesn't deserve it, but Alpidin, he or she does deserve it because they did it for others. To the degree that we do for others, so we receive in Hashemayim. The David Hoya mishalel b'midaso zos hatova. David Hamelach himself praised this midah, even in himself. Shafilu l'sonav hoya mishtadel lehetiv. Even to his enemies, he tried to do good to them. We're not talking about uh, Jew-hating Rishaim who are trying to kill us. He means his within-the-people enemies. We're not talking about Nazis. You don't have to be good to the Islamists who are trying to kill us. Right? But within, within the nation. Zehu ma'ashinemer, as David said, v'ani b'chalos son, when they were sick, meaning his enemies, levushe sak, I wore sackcloth. Inesi v'atsom nafshi, I afflicted myself with fasting in order to benefit them, even his enemies. V'omer, im gomalti shomira. Have I paid back those who tried to do harm to me? No, I didn't. I did good to them. Now, this is a big, big topic because like we were saying before, this can go so many ways. A person can try and live above insult and they're just living with inner frustration and rage and anger for never expressing themselves and constantly forgiving people and never being omade on their own kavod. You can't live like that. It requires level by level by level working oneself up to the madrega of that these things don't really affect us. Oh, so he said that, okay, no, doesn't bother me. But if it does bother us and we're not quite ready emotionally to let go of that, then we have a job to do and that's to try and resolve with the other person, make shalom. You said something, it hurt my feelings, let's work it out. And this gets so delicate in life, we have to think about it, we have to process it. When do you forgive? When do you forget? When do you have to bring it up and talk about it? It's all meant to be done with the same purpose, which is Laman HaShalom, Laman Kla Yisrael. And sometimes it's a great thing to do to forget an insult and to let it go. And it's godless. And sometimes it's not a good thing at all because it could lead to other things that are more harmful. So it needs a lot of iyun and a lot of patience and uh, reflection to think about what's the right thing to do in the right situation. Do you have a comment, please? Sir?
was, say trial and error. Also. Trial and error, right. You don't, you don't necessarily know how you're going to respond until you kind of feel what's happening. Yeah, yeah please. There are certain people that are like that. You know that talking about it with them is going to go nowhere, and it's going to make it worse. So you, then our job is to try and rise above it. That's true. But if that person is the kind of person that we can talk about it with, even though it may be a little tough, but we know we can work through it with, then, then we should. That's a proper thing to do to make shalom. Did you have another comment there, Mrs. Mona? Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Mira, please. I went over just because um, Andrea said that Rabbi Howard is not coming today. He had something come up, so I, I went a couple minutes over. Thanks for indulging me. Yeah, Mira, please. Yeah. Right. Right. Self respect. It's self respect. Right. Right. That, that's what it's all about. Right. Right. And respect for Absolutely. But you have some people who have such strong self-respect that it doesn't bother them that somebody just insulted them. They can be taken advantage of and it doesn't right. affect their, their self-value or self-worth. It's their self-value is not totally, it's not dependent upon other people. So you're looking at that, you say, how could he let that go? Like, he's just making, he, he doesn't mind. His sense of self, in a, in a good way, is that strong that it doesn't matter to him. That, that's, you know, that's a great madrega where that's all coming from within, that it's just about that person in Hashem. That's where their self-worth is truly coming from, not from, not from other people. Yeah, Revison, please. It, it seems like that's important to hold up for a person to really work on their self-worth and self-value, not being dependent on other people's approval, because then you really can't practice these midos, midos of katsidus because you're always riding on the feedback. And if you're always riding on the feedback, you're very limited mm -hmm. into what you can just let it go. Right. Yeah. I remember I once, uh, I once had a rabbi in yeshiva, and he, we were talking about these things, and he said, it was, it was like a reflective moment. He was, he was a little bit formal as a person, but he also had a, a more personal side. And we were talking about this, you know, hurt feelings of people. So he said, I feel like I'm just a little plaything, like at the whims of other people's expressions. Like, I can go this way, I can go that way. I just find myself being moved around by other people's comments. Now, this was an older man. I was probably 19, 20 years old. He was 70 at the time. And I was thinking to myself, like, wow, here's a person, an accomplished Talmud Chavim, he's a monik in Kala Yisrael, and he's saying to us that he feels this way, that he sometimes is writing on other people's comments and he gets hurt and he's brought up or brought down as a result of... So Kol Shekane, you know, people like ourselves, we were just young men, and the Rebison's comment that you know, ultimately, if that is what's driving our behavior and our emotions, and, we, and for all of us, that's part of life, then we have a way to go. 
and not to measure our own self-esteem based on other people's comments. So that's, some, that's something we're striving for. But we should never feel disappointed that we're not there yet because that takes a long time to get to that place. Yeah. The other tricky thing yeah. with that is, is that we're taught that we can me measure to some degree how Hashem likes us by how people like us. When they that's say, to Adam and a person, yeah. I think that's different. That's, that means like this. It's the regard in which we are held by society. <laughs> It's the regard. People hold that person in high regard. In Shemayim, that means something to them. It doesn't necessarily mean people aren't going to be slinging a few arrows in that guy's direction. They, they might be, but they're still held in high regard. Sometimes if you're held in high regard, you get lots of arrows. Yeah, you get lots of arrows when you're... Have a great day, everybody, and a wonderful week. Oh, just one thing. I'm sorry, just uh, housekeeping. There's one more class, which is a week from today. If you would like, I'll make it two, because I missed two classes this time. So I would, but that, that second one, two weeks from today, we're already in the month of Nissan. Right? So next week we'll decide if you want to do one more after next week, or next week will be the last one. It's up to you. Have a great day.